My main thing is redefining mental toughness to include returning to our traumas, like as part of it, okay. in order for us to heal and move forward. Because my story is my mental toughness really blocked me from healing that sexual assault from the military. Because what happened was I blamed myself entirely, didn't report it and just pushed it away because I was strong and tough and that's who I was. Didn't even think about it for 15 years and when it came screaming back. So part of my you know, mission is to really redefine what we think is tough because going back to the trauma, that's the tough part, not ignoring it. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Colleen Ryan Hensley is a 10-year Navy veteran, candidate for Certified Mental Performance Coach with the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, and founder of Grace C. Ryan Performance. She holds an advanced degree in performance psychology and spent five years with a team of cutting-edge researchers and clinicians at the University of Texas Dallas Center for Brain Health, teaching high-performance cognitive training to military veterans and their spouses and caregivers active duty military, and first responders around the country. As an advocate for veterans' wellness, she received a fellowship with the missioncontinues.org and lobbied for veteran rights on Capitol Hill alongside her team at Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. She champions for proactive mental health and optimal wellness from a place of knowing the ways in which living with depression can be extraordinary rich experience when you know how. Colleen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Lori. I want to start off by talking about what you mentioned. Your title is Mental Toughness Expert and Mental Health Advocate. With that being your title, talking about mental toughness, we were talking about another podcast I do called No Longer Ashamed, Adult Survivors of Childhood Sexual Trauma, and how difficult it is, especially for men, to revisit that. A yeah. lot of people, it takes like 26 years for people to, and maybe they try and don't get the response. What we hear is people are like, well, I don't want to go back and I, I got to be tough. And especially men. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, it is especially men, but it's just, just like the society's understanding of what it is to be tough. That's really gotten into us and gotten in the way of, yeah. of healing that 26 <sighs> years is the average. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I knew that I wasn't abnormal for doing, you know, for taking that long. But also it was post Navy, you know, working with therapists and stuff, we tend to start processing it and it comes up when we're feeling safe enough to do that. And I don't think I was feeling that in the Navy because I didn't want it to interrupt my service. I mean, I loved the Navy. I've been so excited to talk to you for so many reasons. Uh, we originally started because talking about veterans. So why don't you yes. give us a little lowdown on what, who you are and what you sure. do? Sure. So I'm Colleen Ryan Hensley. I'm an advocate for mental health and an expert in mental toughness. I served 11, almost 11 years in the Navy. I've been out now for almost 12, so longer than I was in, which is crazy to me, but it's true. Um, I was stationed up in, in uh, Everett for a few years back in the early 2000s, so I'm familiar with your beautiful area. I miss it often. My advanced degree is in performance psychology, so mental skills training for you know, peak performance, those sorts of things. But my mission is to really bring those skills to everyone. Um, right now, you know, we tend to think of these things with regard to military, first responders, you know, people that are in the line of duty and in, you know, extremely stressful situations for their work or, you know, athletes and those types of things. But they're really, really appropriate 
for everyday use and all of the stress that we face as humans. So tell us a little bit about the work you do with veterans. So I've done a lot of work since since I got out of the Navy. Uh, my focus was in veteran wellness and community development. So really focusing on getting back to having a larger mission beyond service, because a lot of times that's what we miss when we leave the military is this sense of purpose, this larger mission, and also the camaraderie of other people who understand what we've been through or what, you know, what we're going through. I did a lot of work with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America, uh, lobbied on Capitol Hill for, for rights, especially, you know, specifically with regard to, um, with regard to mental health care for veterans. Since I've worked at the University of Texas at Dallas Center for Brain Health, teaching high-performance brain training to military, um, active-duty military veterans, their spouses, caregivers, those types of populations. And now I am a performance coach with my own business, and I'm launching a program this January called Hashtag Binging Sober, which is the world's first point system for vitality. It seems like you're combining this uh, peak performance with also how to deal with trauma. Can you talk a little bit about that? This idea of mental toughness as we've, I call it the 90s version, which is actually before that, but the 90s version of mental toughness, I really feel like misses the mark. And I say that because I suffered a sexual assault in the Navy 22 years ago now. I was also someone who really, really adopted the stoic, tough, culture of the military. So because I had had too much to drink that night, I took full responsibility because nobody forced me to drink that much. I lost awareness and control, both foundations of hashtag binging sober. Um, and I really, I blamed myself. I didn't report it. And I pushed that memory just way, way down to where it didn't even come back until, you know, 15 years later after I'd been out of the military and felt safe enough to process that. So one of the really big changes I believe we need to make as a society is this understanding that the tough part of mental toughness and the acceptance and the, the embracing of that trauma of these, these pain points and these painful feelings and these uncomfortable feelings that we're constantly trying to escape from and run from, that misses the mark. Like we need to embrace the healing, go toward the pain because it took me so long to figure out my life, our beautiful life is in that same spot with the painful feelings and the trauma. And if we're running from that, then we're running from real life. There is this, we've got to be tough. We can't look at our past because it will break us when mm. in reality, it seems like it could actually make us stronger. It's not going to be the same pain. I'm not saying it's not painful to look back. Right. So what would you say to someone who's like oh, bootstraps? The tough part is going back. If you, if you are thinking that you're tough and you haven't gone back, then I'm willing to argue that is the tough part. And you're tough. If you go back to that trauma and those painful feelings. Also the transformation when, you know, in my own personal experience, when I finally uncovered this trauma and actually, you know, said it, said the words to my therapist, it was like, and I know that this happens in a million different ways to, to people that heal. But when I said it, it was like a million pounds left my body. It was like this huge transformation for me. 
And so, yes, that might be difficult. It is difficult to go back. It's not the easiest thing. It's tough, you know, but just the, the life that you can get back from taking that step is, it's so rewarding. When people finally tell their story, not only is it, you know, therapeutic for them, but then other people go, oh my goodness, that's my story. And it gives them the freedom. Yes, Lori, that's my, I mean, that's my hope. That's why I'm talking to you. I, you know, part of my healing, it's a little bit selfish, but part of my healing is talking about it. Not only because I want people to, you know, to understand that, that exactly like I said, your life is where those painful feelings are, like go back to it. But also because, you know, when it comes to the trauma in the first place, like I, I really, want to push ownership for our environments and ownership and responsibility for ourselves in a way that I wish somebody had told me before that happened. So it's, it's both, you know, somebody listening has a veteran in their life that's struggling. What would you say to them? It's that mentally tough idea, this idea that we've got to be tough. And when we were in the military, it's a little bit easier to see why that's the case because we have to stay mission ready. Now, is that okay? No, we can do both. We can attend to human feelings of our, you know, military and also be mission ready. I would argue that you'd be more mission ready if you do attend to those things. But a lot of us take that out of the military. I know that I did. And if you are a family member or, you know, you know, a veteran who is struggling, I would say that, you know, this idea that there needs to be something quote wrong in order to see a counselor or get that support, you know, that misses the mark too, because I did a lot of my best work in therapy when I was feeling okay, like when I was having a good day, because you're peeling away the layers, being proactive. All of us as veterans have access to, most of us have access to mental health care. There are also thousands of veteran service organizations around the country whose sole purpose is to support veterans. So there are a lot of resources for us and to be proactive and just go on a mission to find a therapy, whether it be traditional or an alternative therapy. So if you do have a veteran in your life who likes, say, horses, there might be a therapeutic program near you. You know, there's there's so many different ways to go about it, to crack through that hard exterior and get to the inside. But make sure that they're also reaching out to their veteran friends. I think that's really important too. And there's, there's, you know, there's that peer support that a lot of times, and this is my hope in telling my story about, you know, and advocating for mental health. And it's so like freeing that a lot of times, if you have a a friend that has had that good experience with a therapy or an alternative therapy, then that can be a, a, a great, a great place for inspiration to get started on your own healing journey. One thing you said that really stood out to me is when you're in the service, you have this big purpose and mission. And then once you're done, that like goes away. What, what do we do with that? It's the responsibility of the veteran to figure out what to do with that. It's really difficult these days. You know, my grandfather inspired my Navy service. I grew up on his sea stories and he was in World War II. His, there were so many people in the military at that point that when he retired from the military, his friends lived 
up and down the street. I mean, they're they're with each other all of the time. And I think that we kind of get lost in the crowd these days because there's so few of us that serve. What we need to understand is that we have leadership experience, even if you're, you know, an 18-year-old when you go in and you get out at 22 or even earlier. We're exposed to an environment and a mission and situations where we get leadership experience that you can't get anywhere else. And so, I mean, I would there's plenty of mission here, you know, post-military to create your own or get involved in somewhere where there is a mission. Like I already mentioned Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. There are other organizations. The mission continues. I was involved with them. They had a fellowship program that, um, and it's kind of evolved, but it's still there. So the mission continues. Uh, Team Rubicon, um, very large veteran service organizations where we've all kind of gathered after service to continue serving our communities. And I think that's really important because what happens in the military a lot of times is our worldview grows in a way that we can't shrink back to. So you've got to do something with that knowledge and that experience to continue to help. I mean, we need a lot of, <laughs> we need a lot of help. Right. So, you know, veterans, a lot of times are the, you know, the right way to, to do that. So even volunteering, if you don't get a job yeah. in that, but yeah. I love how you brought up leadership because I think so many people that have had this kind of training don't even recognize really that they're leaders and the impact they could have by stepping up. So what would you say about how COVID has affected all of this? Because it was so isolating. My take on this mental health crisis as a society, you know, as veterans, we're just a subculture of our large society. And the biggest threat to our mental health is escapism or all of these things that we have access to, to distract ourselves from the painful feelings that we're talking about. So COVID, you know, gave us more stress, gave us more uncomfortable feelings, and then also gave us more access to all of these things that we use to escape those feelings. So it's just more tools that we can grab onto that we think are going to make us feel better. And maybe they do for a split second, but guess what? A lot of them make us feel worse. And so that, that I think is how COVID has really impacted us is we can get anything delivered. We don't have to leave the house. It's added to our isolation, to our loneliness, to our individualism, like to, you know, I can handle it all myself, that whole, that whole piece of things. During COVID, you know, we were forced to isolate, but then coming out of it, I'm finding a lot of people are like, "Mm, yeah, I don't have to go. Like, they're almost like going, embracing that kind of isolated lifestyle. So what are some steps people can take? I think a lot of us have struggled with that afterwards, myself included. I, you know, I've recently moved and, and so I lost my social circle and, and noticed that I was feeling more uncomfortable talking to people than prior to the pandemic. I mean, it's so, I mean, a lot of us are dealing with that. And so, you know, there are lots of things that we can do to start to break out of that, that might be virtual. I mean, I'm talking to you and you're in Seattle and I'm in Houston and it's, you know, I mean, it's great. We can do this. We can connect with, with like-minded people. If you just do a little search and, and, you know, find some people. So if it's really uncomfortable for somebody because people with social anxiety, I mean, it's added to that and added to the, like we just talked about, like the isolation and the, the desire to keep isolating. So just start somewhere. And I mean, it's, and then pay attention to how you're feeling after the interaction. I think that's a really big piece of this. I mean, I've 
forced myself seriously to say, Hey, okay, we're going to go try to make friends. You know, I'm 44 years old and I'm like, (laughs) we can do this, you know, just get out in my neighborhood and meet my new neighbors and things like that. Well, really pay attention to how you feel afterwards. Just greet a stranger on the street. Like, how do you feel afterwards? I mean, it's so instantly rewarding that I think as long as we're paying attention to it, first reaching out and then paying attention to how it impacts us. I think that's a good start. When you look at veterans and trauma, is there like a shift in like the old way and the new way? I think that it's a reflection of what's going on in in society. Again, in the larger society, we're able to now talk about trauma. We're able to talk about depression. We're able to talk about things that when I was young, you know, as an adolescent, I was suffering with depression. I didn't know that. My parents didn't understand it. Nobody talked about it. Like as a society, we've come so far in reducing, you know, we, we say, let's reduce the stigma around it. There shouldn't be any stigma around it. Stigma is a disgrace and there's nothing disgraceful about mental health. Like it is a beautiful thing when you can manage your own. There's just so many layers of this. And I love that there's a lot of artists, music artists that are like Lady Gaga. Yes. That are doing work around this. Very helpful. Selena Gomez. I mean, she came out in a big way recently. Justin Bieber. I mean, really, really well-known people talking about it. And that's a huge deal. Like we get big athletes that people look up to and, and I just think, oh, it was last, it was last Super Bowl. There was this commercial that was very like it was advocating for mental health and it was professional football players talking about their experience. And I was like, whoa, that is a huge cultural shift when that is a commercial in the Super Bowl. So I think all of those things are really, really positive. We're definitely stepping in the right direction. We just still have a long way to go, obviously. I mean, we can we can see that in our suicide rates and our, you know, abuse of all of these things that we're using to try to feel better that are making ourselves feel worse and making everything worse. Can you talk a little bit about your program that's coming out in January? It sounds amazing. So hashtag binging sober. It's the world's first point system for vitality. Now, when I talk about sobriety, I talk about a lack of intoxication from anything that alters your state of mind. So we binge eat, we binge watch, we binge drink, we binge shop, we binge, 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 all trying to feel better we end up feeling worse. And the foundation of this program is really creating a lot of awareness, control, and balance of those things. So I'm not saying, hey, abstain for a year. That's great if that's what, if that's what works for you. But what it is, is a step, it's taking the steps to figure out what does work for you, what doesn't work for you, what makes you feel, you know, better than you, what actually makes you feel better than you do. So it's, it's like moderating, taking away, taking away something that you're using to escape. So yes, that could be alcohol. A lot of times it is, it could be, you know, your social media, it could be your phone, your social media. For me, I love TV. If I'm having a bad day, I will just turn on the TV and zombie out. And that's not good, but you know, what, what makes it worse is my judgment of it. And we don't realize that either. So like I said, it's creating a lot of awareness, control and balance around those things so that you can gain control over your energy throughout the day. And the object is to balance or be, if you imagine a scale, my main tool is called the scale of vitality. If you imagine a scale, that zero is, is balance. That zero is where, you know, 
to feel vital, to feel alive, that's where we need to be. I think a lot of times, you know, if we're all running around saying that we're tired and sick, that's not where we are. We're probably somewhere over on the left side of that scale. It's a process that I've used informally for 20 years. Realized as I got older and older that I was doing this, that I was taking these sober binges, these time, this time away from things, like taking things out, adding them back in in different amounts and different ways, and really managing my depression, post-traumatic stress and, and, you know, alcohol abuse and, and all of those things that I was doing that were actually making my symptoms worse. Now, is this going to be a program, an app? Ideally, eventually it'll be an app, but this January, we're starting with the community and it's going to be no cost for three months beyond that. It's always, always going to be very, very accessible. I'm talking, you know, very accessible and I don't know the exact yet, but it's going to start as a community because it's funny that a lot of us, you know, in order to self-regulate better, it helps to do it with others, which doesn't make sense because it is like you need to own your own stuff, but it's easier when others are too. If someone is not interested in the community aspect, maybe not yet, or, dip, you know, you can dip your toe in, you don't have to be fully involved. It's all going to be on instructional videos. I'm going to guide everyone through this process that I've used for many, many years to, like I said, balance my my energy and, and manage my mental health. I actually teach people to become recovery coaches. Oh, I love that. One of the biggest things is there's many pathways to recovery. And I think yes. people think, oh, well, they did that and that's not going to work for me. So there's no yeah. path for me. Yeah. Sounds true. like you're offering, we can all do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's really very simple. And I'll go into detail in January, but yeah. it's really, it's really, really very simple. I'll have downloadable, you know, fillable things from my website. And then, like I said, there's going to be opportunities for, you know, workshops and webinars, weekly challenges through the, you know, January, February, March, at least that type of thing. So I'm really, really excited to share something that I found so much use as a supplement to professional therapy and on its own. What would you say about toxic positivity? It's like when people don't want to go back, they say, I'm fine. But also, on the other hand, when they're like, no, I'm so great and everything's great. And in in a way, it's a form of denial. What would you say about that? With regard to like the perception of others, this I think is really important too. like to to think about what happiness is or what positivity is or what success is or what these ideas that we tend to lean on what society thinks it should look like. What does it look like to us? But one thing I've noticed through practicing hashtag binging sober is that, you know, it's really allowed me to look at that. Like what is, what does being happy mean to me? What does a good day look like to me? Because it, you know, we get cloudy vision with marketing and with all of these fake reality shows and all of these things that are in our face all of the time. And then we get this idea that that is what it should look like when really, if I'm like, if I'm just like relaxing in my bed with a cup of coffee and I'm like feeling kind of blue one morning, that might, I didn't feel great. Like there's a, there's an awareness that gives you power over how all of those things affect you, where your perception of others will not impact you as much. And I think it ties into that, like this idea of toxic positivity. I think that's where the community, where, yeah. where you talk about community, where we can kind of help each other walk yeah. through that. 
Yes, yes. Okay, Colleen, this has been so great. Now, where can we find you? Visit ColleenRyanHensley.com to sign up for updates on the official launch of Binging Sober. I'll be having a couple of focus groups before January, so I'll put out information about that too. And then I'll be active on Instagram, the hashtag Binging Sober, and and also at Colleen Ryan Hensley, H-E-N-S-L-E-Y. I'm just blown away because I feel like there are so many things that what you're doing touches on. We're just seeing, like you say, such a mental health crisis. And I don't know if it's new or if we just didn't know before. What do you think? It's just like, I feel like it's an evolutionary, like just a shift, like an understanding of I don't know. That's a very deep existential question, Lori. I love that you are paving a way. You are making a way for people to be really real and honest. Even what you said about how maybe we binge watch TV, whatever, is looking at all those things as, oh, we can watch TV, but we don't have to binge watch. Like just putting some perspective to it. Just it makes what I feel when I listen to you is I feel hope. Well, thank you, Lori. I feel hope because I know in the work I do, a lot of people won't talk about their stuff Mm -hmm. and you're inviting us to, hey, not only talk about it, but you know, you're probably really not alone. Yes. Yeah. And more so to own our feelings and explore them ourselves. Like if you're not ready to talk about it, okay, that's one thing. But please look at, like, reflect, take some time to reflect, journal, look at yourself. We're so distracted by all of these things. And rightfully so. There's a lot of very stressful things happening. But when we just have responsibility for ourselves and own our own stuff and at least explore, and then hopefully that'll inspire talking about it, you know, Um, because it is very healing to talk about it. Scary, but it's very healing. It is scary. And, but I love that you say the toughest part mm-hmm. is doing that work yes. because we want to be tough. We, yep. we, and, and that's why sometimes we hide things is we think that's being tough, but what if tough is redefined of tough is actually facing it. Tough yes. is talking about Yay. it. And then we are really tough because that's what we want to be. I mean, it that's just my dream like, because we can have both. We can be, it is, it is tough. It's tough to look at, you know, we can be resilient in the face of stress, which is what mental toughness is. And we can also face the bad feelings that are left behind the trauma, the pain. And that's also tough. Both are true, you know, but it has to be both, not just the one right? in order for it to start working for us. Find a way or a place to share your story, a safe place, because that is the first step. And then as we take steps towards recovery, we find people like you programs like like you're offering and then more and more camaraderie and realizing oh my goodness that we can have this what did you say in the beginning this big beautiful life yes yeah together we can get back together you know we talked about isolation post-pandemic and you know we really need to start reaching out to one another too tell us again where we can find you ColleenRyanHensley.com, H-E-N-S-L-E-Y, and on Instagram at Colleen Ryan Hensley, and follow, follow the hashtag Binging Super. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk to people that are making a difference.